Pray with me. Holy Spirit, as you came on Pentecost and filled your church then, come and fill us now as we are your church. Fill us with the Spirit of Christ that we might live for him, follow him, be disciples, and make disciples. Show others what you are like, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Our summer series, which we've gotten into, we've, uh, is the little guys with the big message. We're looking at what's called the Minor Prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. So the last three weeks, we did the prophet Jonah, who is the most well-known of them. So I'm hoping it's not all downhill from there, because Jonah's really likable and a great story to get into, and, and I've enjoyed uh, learning that with you all. But today we go to a different one, and that is the prophet Joel. If you paid attention to the Pentecost reading, Acts 2, Joel is taught, reference. It's the prophet Joel who prophesied about the day of Pentecost, and they say, as Joel said. And so we're looking at Joel today, and Joel is you know, there in my Bible, so it's still about two-thirds of the way through. As the story of the Bible unfolds, perfect creation, fall, and everything goes wrong, and then there's thousands of years of God's redemptive story unfolding, God making promises, fulfilling promises in part, and continually to fulfill and making more. There's a long story of Noah, then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all these, and then after, say, King David, and then there's another thousand years of God's people. So we're at about today 800 B.C., give or take, that's Joel. So we still got a long way to go to get to Jesus, and God is making many promises to his people and speaking to his people through his prophets. So that's where we are, and Joel is not like Jonah's a story with a few words. Joel and most of the other prophets are almost all words, sermons, or words that God gave them to speak to his people, not so much a story to follow. So we'll have to get to know Joel by his words. So, Joel, let's meet him, chapter 1. We didn't read this, so I'm expanding a little bit to take a bit of a quick tour of Joel. And you meet him in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Joel. God says, hey, I've got to go talk to my people. Son of Pethuel, that's, so you get the right Joel. And he says, hear this, to my people, paraphrase nine verses, the locusts are coming. That doesn't sound so good, does it? Locusts can do terrible damage to crops and all sorts of things, and there's a locust plague coming. So here, here this people, locusts are coming, the, the fields are destroyed, the ground mourns, the wine dries up, the oil languishes, this is coming. And then he says, put on sackcloth and lament, priests, consecrate a fast, cry out to the Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. This sounds pretty serious, and it is. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. He continues this into chapter 2. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom. This sounds very uh, fire and brimstone -y, and the prophets are. <laughs> Except Joel is, in some ways, softer, calmer, and nicer than some of the others. So if you think this is bad, uh, get to some of the others, and you'll see. God has been warning his people. And in Joel, particularly in the prophets, he uses this phrase, and it's very real. It's the day of the Lord is coming. What does he mean by that? God has been warning his people. Well, about what? 
Remember, God gave them at Mount Sinai after he saved them from, from slavery and fed them in the desert, gave them water in the desert, did everything. And then he said, I have ten words for you, ten commandments, but really there's only one. Have no other gods. Worship me. Trust me. And they couldn't do that. The people haven't. So God's warning them says, hey, evil has consequences. Sin has consequences. And judgment for that will come. God will come and right all the wrongs that you've done. That's what he's telling the people. And here in the prophets, particularly Joel, this is the phrase, the day of the Lord. The day when God will come and right the wrongs of the world. The day. Or the day of the Lord. It's a day of judgment, you might say. So God will come to judge. And I know that unsettles us. We'll, we'll talk a bit about it throughout the summer. But it's true. You and I will stand before God and give an account of our life and what we've done with it. And nothing is unseen. No evil is hidden. No sin is hidden. God knows all. So you think you might get away with it? You didn't. God saw it. Yes, God loves His people dearly, and God is love both throughout the whole Old Testament and the New, and we'll see that. But God is holy and righteous and perfect, and God wants justice, and evil has consequences. And so, Joel says, the day of the Lord is coming. God has given them generations of chances to change and come back, but eventually God allows them to see the consequences of many, many years of decisions. And for them, for God's people, it means Babylon, powerful in the late, you know, early 500s B.C., comes and destroys Jerusalem and destroy the temple. That happens in 587 B.C. That's coming. He's saying, you can avoid this, but the day of the Lord is coming. Now, as I said, I know that the topic of judgment is really unsettling to many, and maybe that's you. And... This will come up a lot in a lot of the prophets this summer, so I can't exhaust it on one day. But I do want to talk about it. Judgment itself isn't bad. It's just a thing. Justice is a thing. Justice is the right things going to the right people in the right way. I think we would want that to happen in the world. You work a job, you should be justly rewarded, paid for that. Justice is good. And judgment is making a ruling about what is right. So if you had vast sums of money stolen from you and then a judge makes a judgment that you're going to get that back somehow, you would say that's a good thing, right? That's good. That's, that's justice. That's judgment. Those are good. Those, those are, in fact, neutral things or good things bringing what's right to the right people. So whether or not you like judgment often has to do with what you've been up to, Right? If you've cheated people, you don't want judgment because it's coming for you, right? If you've oppressed and abused people, you don't want justice because then you will be held accountable. See how this works? I think one of the best examples of the last few years would be the Me Too movement. Past few years, uh, many men particularly who have abused and assaulted women for years and thought they, quote, got away with it, is it a good thing that they are, truth is coming out and they're finally held accountable and have to face consequences? Is that a good thing? Yes, that's a good thing that people are held accountable for what they've done. So judgment is a good thing. So God tells his people, the day of the Lord is coming. There is a day when God will come and he will make things right. 
God will come someday. God will end all evil. God will judge rightly. God will put the world back together the way it's supposed to be. God will perfect. God will restore. Yet God's people have been completely unfaithful to God and their consequence, their judgment is coming. So the day of the Lord was coming to them and it's not going to be good. But hear God's heart of love for His people the whole time. Here it is. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. God's way, people had a way of living as if God didn't matter and doing whatever they want and oppressing people and then go into worship and say, oh, everything is great. God will give you a sacrifice. We'll come and pretend it's all, and it's not. And God says, don't just do the thing, live the thing. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's God's heart. So because the day of the Lord is coming and you have a God of love, there is only one right response when you hear that the day of the Lord is coming. What is that? Repent. Repent. Because you have a God of love who wants to forgive and who is gracious and merciful. Repent of your injustice and your greed and your selfishness and your idolatry. Repent. Because you, you have a holy God who demands perfection and justice, the only right thing to do is repent and say, God, I am not and I need you, and God is gracious and merciful and forgiving. So then you see it here in the next verses. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said, Behold, I'm sending you grain and wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I love this verse. I will restore to you the years the locust has eaten, which I sent among you. You shall eat it plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. So to put it all together for the book of Joel, I would say the day of the Lord is coming. Repent and be restored. That, that sounds like pretty good news to me. So if you were to summarize the book of Joel, in the Bible, I would say, the day of the Lord is coming, repent and be restored. God is holy and just, just yet, yet merciful and compassionate. God hates evil, is always against evil in the world, and in my heart and in your heart, but God wants to forgive. God wants to forgive repentant people because God is gracious and merciful and loving and wants us to return to Him and so God's judgment only serves to soften your heart, to bring you back to God, because God wants to restore you. God's not holding out on you or, or playing hard to get, or God's not moody in a bad mood trying to get you. No, God wants to dwell with His people. That's why the Spirit comes at Pentecost, because God wants to dwell in His people and make a temple out of us, His people, not out of a building, because God is love. So that verse... I will restore the years the locust has eaten. I love that verse. It's like this weird comfort. Do you know how much comfort it is, though? Because God says, whatever you have lost, whatever you have suffered in your life, I will restore to you. And you may see it 
in this lifetime. You may see some of it. You may not see it until you're in eternity with Christ. But God says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Whatever has been taken from you, maybe by others or just by disease and death and heartache, God will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. The day of the Lord is coming. God will judge. Repent and be restored. Now, there's a question you might be wondering, and okay, well, when, when is that happening? When, when is this day? When does it come? The day of the Lord's come. Well, when? Well, here, I, I hope to not confuse you, but I'm going to show you a, a picture we're going to make, and that is this day of the Lord is a theme throughout uh, a lot of the prophets, but really throughout the whole Bible, in some ways, from beginning to end. So, when does this day of the Lord happen? Well, it happens in a few different ways because often... Old Testament promises get fulfilled in more than one way throughout time. So, let's try to put it together. The day of the Lord, all over Joel and others, when does it come true? Well, first of all, he's talking to his people, 8th century B.C., their consequences for their sin are coming, and they do come, and they come at 587 B.C., which is when the Babylon, Babylonians come and, and smash Jerusalem and and uh, decimate the temple, and so they can't worship God in the temple there for, for many years. And so th- it does happen. Unfortunately, there is consequences for, for their sins. So it happens once, but then there's another day in the Bible that you might say the day of the Lord when God came to deal with what was wrong in the world. And that's in Jesus on the cross. That is a day of the Lord. There was a day when justice was served and justice was given, except it's the judgment that you and I deserve was not given to us. It fell on Jesus. And by faith, we get the holiness that He has and He deserves. You see, the justice fell on Jesus on a a Friday as He died unjustly, but it was the day of the Lord. Evil was defeated, death was defeated, your sin was defeated and forgiven, and as Jesus' veins flowed red blood, God's forgiveness flowed straight to you. And that means God's restoration project has begun. You are forgiven, you are renewed, you are given new life. The Holy Spirit has come and filled us. That that has happened. Jesus is risen, ascended, reigning, sending the Spirit. His restoration project has begun But is it totally completed yet? It's not, no. So there's another day. There's another coming day too. And that's when Jesus will come again, the second coming. You see, there is this coming final day of the Lord when all things will be finally made right once and for all. As God promised, He will come. He will make the world right again. He will judge it rightly. He will restore everything the way it's supposed to be. He will return to you all the years the locust has eaten. But the day hasn't come yet, has it? Jesus hasn't returned. There there is still heartache and and death and disease and, and evil. It hasn't totally come yet. The day is still in the future. So where does that put us? If we're to put ourselves kind of in this picture, where do we fit in? There, if you can see it. You. We live in what you might call the in-between. Sometimes theological books like to call it the now and the not yet. Now, Jesus has come. 
once. He has died and rose, ascended, reigning for you. You are reconciled to God. You are restored. You are forgiven. You have new life. You are filled with the Spirit. We are God's temple, God's restoration project. It has begun, but it's not completed yet. There's a, there's a not yet also. You still carry pain with you in your heart. The world isn't perfect. That day hasn't come. You still bury loved ones. And you still get hurt by people and you hurt people. And you see tragedy on the news every day. Jesus has not returned yet, but we're ready. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Any day, any time, make it happen. So the day of the Lord for us who believe in Jesus, it's a good thing. We say, we want this. But until then... God has sent His Spirit to dwell, to sustain, to empower you to be a disciple and to make disciples. That's why then you get to the reading we read earlier from the book of Joel. Joel says, 800 years before Jesus, it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Sons and daughters prophesy, old men dream dreams, young men see visions, even male and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit And everyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's our God of love. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you can read it, say it with me. The day of the Lord is coming. Repent and be restored. One more time. The day of the Lord is coming. Repent and be restored. And now may the peace of Christ that goes beyond Our minds and understandings may keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.